From the newsroom to the classroom, Mi'kmaq journalist Trina Roach on her career change and why we should be concerned about the small number of Ilnu in media. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. This is episode 191. Thanks for your support via patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. We're used to seeing her on APTN, reporting on Mi'kmaq and other First Nation issues in Atlantic Canada. But now, Trina Roach is preparing her lectures for journalism students at the University of King's College in Halifax. How does she plan to bring more understanding of Mi'kma'ki into the classroom? How can we teach our journalism students to do a better job reporting on Mi'kmaq issues? And what's the impact of the small number of Mi'kmaq journalists? Trina Roach, our guest this week on Mi'kmaq Matters. Some of you may know Trina from APTN, National News, and uh, Trina's reporting for many years from uh, Mi'kma'ki and uh, other points from what we know as Atlantic Canada. But today we're talking to Professor Trina Roach. How are you doing, Trina? Gwen, hello, Gwen. So you are... Uh, as of May, the Rogers Chair in Journalism at the University of King's College in Halifax. And um, let me uh, ask you first uh, about the title of your position. Rogers, I presume, is the National Telecommunications Company, and perhaps they are funding that position in which uh, in which you are. And um, is it specific to Indigenous uh, journalism, or how does how does that work? No, the Rogers chair has been like Sylvia Hamilton, who is like an African Nova Scotian, um, well, filmmaker and journalist. And uh, she wears several hats, author, I think. Uh, she held it before me. Um, it's it's an appointed position. So it's kind of a straight because I am full time faculty. Um, so I, I am, um, you know, I also have the title, I guess, assistant professor. But the Rogers chair, yeah, it's an endowment fund that they have. And Kings really fills it as they see fit. And so they offered it to me um, because they really they they are wanting to um, you know meet the the TRC calls to action. Um, yes. Universities in general have been kind of spotty and slow with that. Um, so Kings, uh, you know, is sort of doing that work now to realize that they need to. Um, we always say these words, indigenize or decolonize and um, diversify basically their, their, their faculty and their campus. And so I think this is just a, a little inroad in. So it's an appointed position, um, uh, but I'm teaching full time like all the other faculty. Uh, and not every course I'm teaching even is, um, is like I am teaching a reporting in Mi'kma'ki course. But I'm also just teaching like video journalism and visual storytelling. So right. my job now is to weave Indigenous reporting sort of throughout like curriculum um, and guest speaking in other classes, um, because we don't have sort of that mandatory Indigenous reporting class, which I think there should be. Um, so that's so, so I'm teaching and sort of um, bringing a Mi'kmaq perspective and hopefully connecting the school um, and just 
you know, helping to recruit uh, Mi'kmaq journalists, like Mi'kmaq people and young students to start thinking about journalism uh, as a career, because that's, there's not a lot um, uh, of people uh, in Mi'kmaq communities who are coming, coming down, like into this, um, you know, sort of vein as a career. Mm -hmm. Let me, uh, you mentioned the course that you're teaching uh, called Reporting in Mi'kma'ki, which you're co-teaching with Assistant Professor Tara Tayur. Yes. And um, the uh, King's uh, website says it, it is an, an immersive course that takes students out of the classroom, pandemic willing, and into Mi'kmaq communities. Yes. And, and tell us what you, how you foresee that, um, that course uh, going. You're, you'll be out um, in some of the communities in Nova Scotia there and um, helping the students find stories, or how do you see it unfolding? Well, the, the idea, because Tara Tire, I was at APTN still when Tara came to me. Uh, she had, um, uh, she, she created this, the idea came from Tara and she came to me to say, hey, um, like I have this idea, but I can't teach it. Like I, I need you like, and then this was even before, like I was still at APTN. So it was before I was at the Rogers chair. Um, so I was going to do it um, just sort of in my capacity as, as a reporter at APTN. Um, and now, um, obviously, <laughs> now I'm at King's and we'll be doing it in a different different way. But but um, we had it all set to go. We were going to be going into a community, into Eskasoni. Um, it's a, the goal is that you have the, the students do produce journalism. So we are like sort of helping them find stories. But it's much more about the process, about learning how how to report responsibly, um, to understand Mi'kmaq history, culture. Um, I don't like, I, it is important to understand history, but I don't like always using the history thing because it makes people think like past tense about Mi'kmaq people. Mm. <laughs> so also thinking like, you know, like it, today about Mi'kmaq people, um, you know, kinds of uh, cultural practices and just issues and stories and, you know, all kinds of things. Um, and so uh we had it all we were all set we were like starting to line it up and then of course this is like 2019 or 2020 um and covid shut everything down mm -hmm. and so we, we it just got canceled the first the first year so then this past spring um we didn't want to not do it again um and as i was transitioning from aptn to kings is when we were teaching the course and so um i uh it went like we did it online um, and it's still, I have to say the, although the ideal is that it's immersive and you're like, you know, bringing people into, cause a lot of people haven't even been on a reserve. Right. So it's to yes. break that sort of boundary and get people into the communities and meeting the people and, and making sure that we're not being extractive, that the community is benefiting, that they're getting to either share stories that they want shared or that they have a maybe gain a little bit of media literacy in some way. Um, but we couldn't do that this year. We did it online. But it was still amazing. We actually had a Mi'kmaq student in the class who herself was like, I, she learned so because she's not a journalism student. And she learned so much just about media literacy and how to understand like media coverage of Indigenous peoples. And so um, so it wasn't and they still produced a set of stories. We were focused on the fisheries issue because that's <laughs> a lot to talk about with that. Um, and we still had like there's a lot of online resources. Right. We all learned how to do things um, by Zoom. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and online, you know, over the last year and a half. And so we did this as well. Now, the hope is, 
because it is going to happen um i hope every year now and it is it is planned for to happen next spring and my hope is that you know fingers crossed we are able to keep it it to the original ideal where it's an immersive program that we're taking a group of journalism students into a Mi'kma community um, and doing it that way, I mm. hope. You mentioned that you'll be uh, teaching some of the other journalism courses, video storytelling. You'll be doing this course. Do you think as a Mi'kmaq person and uh, someone who's worked at APTN that you approach journalism differently than some other person? And do you think that we, when we go into a Mi'kmaq community, we have to, as journalists, um, modify our approach and ask questions differently. If we're talking to an elder, perhaps that's different from talking to the chief of the Indian Act Bank Council, where different people require different approaches. It, it's funny, you know, I, I have, um, uh, because I started with CBC, uh, actually in radio, I didn't even do TV, um, there was too many moving parts and I didn't want to do it. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then APTN, uh, you know, went on the air and, um, and then they were hiring for their new show and, and sort of scooped me up. And then uh, I fell in love with TV. But so I, I worked sort of, um, I've spent most of my career, um, you know, working for APTN and, and doing, you know, uh, stories that are focused on Mi'kmaq communities. And, and for a time, I kind of described it as, um, uh, you know, that, that I was just doing stories on the Mi'kmaq nation and they, or, or Willis-Tigway or Pazmaquoddy or, or elsewhere, but that, you know, it, they could be political stories, sports stories, art stories, protest story. I mean, you name it, it's the same range of stories you see in mainstream Can Canadian, you know, coverage of, of, that you might see on the newscast, but that I was focused just on a different nation and sometimes on how that nation related to the nation of Canada. Um, and so I kind of differentiated it that way, but the art of telling a story is the same. Um, like, you know, fairness and balance and accuracy, that, that is all true, whether you're, whether you're doing uh, journalism on, on an indigenous story or, or a mainstream Canadian story. Um, and, but, but my, my answer to like, has sort of changed a little bit because I found like, like I've been asked uh, uh, several times in different circumstances, like how am I, how do I maintain my objectivity or my neutrality? How do I not become like an advocate, um, you know, as a for Mi'kmaq communities? And I'm always like, I never knew how to answer that question. And then I was at this um, journalism conference. It was an Indigenous fellowship, and it was um, uh, it was a great conference, this investigative journalism conference. And um, Tristan Atone was there and he was, uh, I don't think he's heading the, he was with the Native American Journalists Association. And um, uh, he said, whenever he, he brought it up independently and I was like, he said the same thing. And I was like, I always get that. I wonder what his answer is. And his answer was always, I tell people not to be so racist. <laughs> and I was like, that's a good answer. I'm going to use that now because it is, we tend to think Western journalism holds itself as this objective, neutral you know, you can you can stand on neutral ground somehow when you're, uh, you know, in Western journalism, but you other everybody else. So everybody else is like um, somehow can't can't possibly be like people of color or BIPOC people can't possibly report uh, neutrally 
um, uh, or without bias on, on those communities. And so I realized it's not like nobody says to somebody who covers City Hall, how can you cover City Hall and not advocate for, <laughs> it's like, it doesn't, you know, we don't, we don't say that to, um, we don't say women can't report on women's issues without somehow being biased, right? So um, it's a weird, uh, I, my answer has kind of changed because, but so Indigenous journalism is just journalism. Um, uh, but obviously, um, I think the things that differ are that sometimes on certain stories, we have to apply a trauma-informed lens um, if we're doing stories on residential school survivors. And so we're, we're sensitive to more sort of intergenerational traumas. Um, and I think that when you look sometimes like at work that like I would always say, um, your context is so important. And sometimes that's missing in, in coverage. But when you're doing these stories all the time, you understand the importance of, of context when you're doing stories um, in, in, in Indigenous communities. And so you're... And so that, that, that's a difference too. Yes. And, but don't you find that um, journalism has built in assumptions about the world? Uh, the world is kind of a given. So in the fisheries context, moderate livelihood, the law is um, the law of Canada. Yeah. And these treaties are something else. There are these dusty documents from, you know, the 1750s that uh, someone found, you know, somewhere dusted them off and are, different and a different category than this other law. And um, so in its kind of uh, supposed neutrality, um, <clears throat> there's, there are a lot of built-in assumptions that, um, that determine the journalistic output. Oh, completely. All right. Because there's, um, and that's why I focused on it in the reporting in Mi'kma'ki course, because the fisheries really highlights that mainstream media couldn't seem to except the fact that possibly, you know, Canada's laws are not legitimate. There's, a, there's an automatic legitimacy given to yes. um, Canadian laws and DFO, and the Mi'kmaq are on the other side of that. Um, and, and then these treaties, and I find like there's a thing in journalism we do when we attribute things, right? So we attribute, like we can just say facts, um, and I've said this, I said this in a tweet because I was so annoyed at some of the coverage. <laughs> but we we can say facts as journalists, right? We don't have to attribute mm. that um, the earth uh, goes around the sun, right? Like we do, like, or that the earth is round, right? That's a fact. We don't yes. have to, that scientist says the earth is round. We could just say it, right? Um, the, the Mi'kmaq have treaty rights. You can just say that. And I find a lot of times, like, like the DFO uh, regulations are given legitimacy, the Mi'kmaq are operating outside and the, the mainstream media will, well, he says he has treaty rights. Mm. And it's like, well, he just does have treaty rights. Right. We do things like he says he's angry. Like, uh -huh. <laughs> we attribute emotion and opinion. We don't need to attribute facts. And it's like a nuance. And most people wouldn't, like most, most consumers of news wouldn't like get that. Mm. But it, so it's sometimes it's a subtle thing, right? Um, but, uh, I think it affects the way that people see these things. Oh, that, it does. Uh, you it know, does. The, the, the Canadian law is kind of like a rock. You can touch that. It's like a tangible thing. Whereas these treaty rights are sort of ephemeral, vague out there and not as, not as hard. And, and, you know, they're kind of abstract in, in some ways. Yeah. So they are diminished by the way that they're approached yeah. in, in journalism. 
And, and understand that, that when I said about context, the fisheries, again, that's one of those stories that really highlights how important um, context is and that you can't be Googling the Marshall decision on your way to the fishery story, mm -hmm. right? Like on the drive there, you have to have done that homework before because it's complicated. Mm -hmm. um, but like the, you know, the fishery story just really highlights how like, um, you know, treaty rights, and, and an understanding of treaty is 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 kind of is kind of lacking, um, and that if you don't understand it, if you don't understand, not just that treaty rights exist, but also that those are are broken promises, right? Throughout colonization, like if you don't understand how the government has failed again and again. <laughs> <laughs> like, but well before the Marshall decision. And if you don't understand that the Enigma uh, were marginalized in the fishery, excluded for so much time, if you don't understand that, then, then when a fisherman on the dock says, well, one set of rules for all, that's what's fair, right? Well, that makes sense to you mm. if you don't understand um, the context and the history. I right. think you've so, made a very good case for a mandatory uh, course uh, in the school for a treaty uh, Oh, uh, the the law of treaty and uh, what that is. It's uh, yeah. just yeah. as important as the I don't know if King still has the obligatory uh, French course, but uh, if there's an obligatory French course, there should be that obligatory treaty course. Yeah. Uh, one of the um, initial things and I had a meeting with our VP um, at King's Sarah Clift, who's new. She's just taken over the position and starting and we were talking um, and she said um, uh, how um um, like she speaks multiple languages and that she would, uh, she wished she was more comfortable so she could in, with greetings in Mi'kmaq. And I said, well, I said, well, let's, you know, let's, um, you should, we should all just take some lessons. It could happen online. So we're sort of in the process of working mm -hmm. that. And she was like, yes. And I said, because it is like the language. Uh, yeah, there's always this bi like Canada's bilingual or whatever, but there's like first people's languages are mm -hmm. here. And it's really important to, to have like, the language in there. So that's something that's happening at King's. And I don't know, I, I don't think there's any French, maybe the French is gone now. I, mm. I not, it's not there that I'm aware. Right. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so at least I'm sort of sliding the Mi'kmaq <laughs> language in. I'm a beginner, I'm a newbie, <laughs> but I'm trying. Well, and, uh, and it, um, we all have to start somewhere now. Yeah. Uh, Trina, <clears throat> it's great that you are uh, doing this course, I think it's a very important uh, development. Um, but it's kind of bittersweet because we're losing a veteran reporter, um, someone who knows um, Mi'kma'ki, uh, you know, has a deep understanding of the issues. And um, I um, and let's do an inventory on what uh, Mi'kmaq media there is. Uh, we have uh, your former colleague Angel Moore back at APTN. Um, we have uh, Maureen Gugu, a very respected uh, reporter um, at the uh, Gugu Gwe's, uh News, and um, not much else. Um, am yeah, I missing? We, am I missing something? Well, we have Nick Maloney with CBC Indigenous, yes, yes. who's uh, uh, I think he identifies as mixed heritage, like I would be mixed heritage Mi'kmaq. I guess he's mixed, mixed heritage Wulistigwe. Um, uh, so he's based in Nova Scotia. Um, uh, and Angel, who's from the Peguis First Nation, but has lived here for quite a while and is reporting very effectively um, yes. in Mi'kmaq communities. Um, yeah, Maureen Gugu. And we have Amber Bernard, 
um, who did work for APTN for a little while. She's from Wegema um, in Cape Breton, but she she's she went back to school. Like she just left APTN, not um, just because she was going back to school to finish uh, a degree. Um, and she's, I think, doing some contract and freelance work at this time. Um, and I think quite busy. Uh, so that's in Nova Scotia. We have Oscar Baker um, mm -hmm. in New Brunswick, who's uh, Nigma and Black. Um, so I think he would call himself maybe Afro Ilnu or just maybe Nigma Black. I'm not sure. Um, and then there's also Logan Pearlie, who's Willistigway. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was with CBC, but he's kind of out of media. He's working actually for his band up in uh, Tobik right now or for like an organization. Uh, so he's kind of moved a little bit into the more the communication side than journalism, but I'm sure he'll sort of float um, maybe back and forth a little bit. I think I only added three names there. Mm, yes. <laughs> that's like, it's a handful, literally. That's yes. it. Yeah. And uh, do you, uh, do you have any big boss students in your incoming class? Not, not that I know of. Like I've seen the list of names, like we haven't. Um, uh, and it's the thing about Mi'kmaq names, like they kind of pop out. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Although I'm Roach and that's the Irish side. So, uh, so maybe, but, uh, you know, there's like the Paul's Bernard's, um, Francis, which is my, uh, that's my Enigma side would be Francis. Um, uh, but, um, I don't, uh, I, I don't see any names. And like I said, when, in the reporting of Mi'kma'ki course, I did have, um, a Mi'kmaq student, but, um, but she was not actually a journalism student. Like she took the, we opened the course up. Uh, just right. so that any anyone at Dal could take it, and so mm -hmm. she was just interested in it. Um, uh, but the, this year, when it comes, it will be just for journalism students, as far as I know. And so, yeah, there's that's as far as I know at Kings, there are no um, Nigma students. And even when I look back, I mean, I guess you went there, right? You're an alum. Mm -hmm. Me, um, I know Duncan McHugh went to Kings. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure what year he graduated. I mean, he's a very prominent indigenous uh, yes. uh, journalist, but I don't know if there's like a lot of, I, I'm sure there's more, but like not a ton. With, I know that some have come through APTN. There was maybe um, Barnaby, uh, Allie Barnaby, but I think she might've moved over to maybe communications or working for her band. Like she didn't stay. Sometimes we, people don't stay in journalism. Mm -hmm. um, and of course we're at a time in the industry where, um, with the uh, situation of newspapers and perhaps people perceive more limited career um, prospects in journalism. So we're, we're dealing with that. I wonder, um, you know, what are the implications for, for the situation of Mi'kmaq people uh, if we are not um, in the media uh, and uh, being there to uh, be able to <clears throat> tell our other our colleagues, you know, to be a, an influence on our colleagues, to be educational in the newsroom. I think you always need to be represented, right? You always should be like if you if you don't like how media is portraying you, then then get in there. <laughs> it's like I think it's really important to to have that representation. Um, I also think it's like it's just like. Um, I don't know, like, you know, I think, like, I know so many Mi'kmaq people who are just such good storytellers. And I don't want to make a stereotype, like, all Indigenous people are good storytellers. What's kind of true? <laughs> and it's like, it's like, they're not there. Um, uh, you know, I think it's just really important to have that 
to bring that perspective into mainstream news or to be doing it like Maureen Gugu is do, doing it. I mean, she worked for APTN, she's worked for CBC, she's worked for mainstream, right? But then she's doing her own independent site, Gugu Gliss. Um, and so like having that representation, because I feel like, if, especially for younger, like, and maybe that's why we don't, because like, I mean, I'm in journalism, like I said, there's a handful, but if, if, if Mi'kmaq people aren't, if you're not seeing yourself there, um, when you turn on the news, um, like, you know, what does that tell you? If you're, if you're only, if the only place you're occupying in the store on, on the news is sort of in a certain role in the story, right? Like sometimes there's that trope too, right? There's like, you see, you know, as the victim or as like, as some, some negative aspect in the story, what is that telling people? Or what is that telling Nigma people about themselves, right? And especially like young kids. I think it's more, it's so important that they look and they see somebody reporting on the, no on the news and reporting it in a way that is, um, uh, more, you're just going to add when you, when you are a Mi'kmaq, you have that perspective, your, your, your story is going to be so much more nuanced, yes. right? You can cut through a lot. You already like, you don't have to, you can get right to the heart of the story. Trina Roach, the Rogers chair in journalism at the university of King's college in Halifax. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Support our work via patreon.com or by email transfer, mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. For the latest Mi'kmaq news and views, and to get our updates on the upcoming Halibut Band Council election, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Emson Nogamah.